Okay, turn to Acts chapter 8. Last week we looked at Philip in Samaria, how the people, the Lord brought him down there. Didn't he hadn't instructed him to go. He just went through the providence of God because there was persecution in Jerusalem. And he also went because Christ had told them that they would go to Samaria and into the uttermost parts of the earth. And that's what we're going to see this evening is the Lord taking the gospel to an Ethiopian eunuch. In Ethiopia would be considered the Gentiles, those despised dogs that were not part of the covenant of Israel, but were chosen and elected of God. And in time, they must hear the gospel. They heard him gladly. There were several that heard in Samaria. He went there he was leaving, and God directed him there. And here we see in verse 26, we'll be looking at verses 26 through 40. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. The angel of the Lord. This is the Lord's angels that he sent. Now, the name's used many times. The first place it's used in Scripture, I thought, was ironic, is when Hagar was out in the desert, her and her son Ishmael, and they were waiting to die. And the angel of the Lord came to her and revealed unto her a well that had been there all the time. She just couldn't see it and saved her, and he spoke to her. This is the same angel of the Lord he sent to tell Philip where to go. Now, he didn't tell him what he was going to do when he got there. He just said, arise and go. God's angels, they are ministering spirits. Sent forth the minister unto them who are the heirs of salvation. This is probably the same angel that delivered Peter from the prison that day. Probably the same angel that smote Herod the Great with worms. Probably God's same angels. They are his ministering spirits. Sent forth to minister unto them who are the heirs of salvation. In providence, God brought him to Samaria. But here he speaks to Philip. You imagine leaving where a great revival had just taken place. It said the city rejoiced. We don't know how many were converted, but there had to have been several. And he remembered who Philip was. He was one of the seven chosen as a deacon to serve tables. But he was more than just someone to serve tables. He was the Lord's servant, and he was sent to preach the gospel. The Lord raised him up. The Lord raised up Stephen and used him. And when he was done with Stephen, he took him home. But here he's using Philip. He said, Arise and go toward the south, to the way that goeth down from Jerusalem to Gaza, which is desert. The reason he says to go down from to Gaza, which is desert, the reason he says that, there was one more than one road that led from Gaza, from Jerusalem or Samaria down to Gaza. It'd be like now the main road that everybody takes to get from here to Charleston or here to Parkersburg would be I-77. I know I've heard some of you say years ago you had to take Highway 21, which is a lot different road. This is the road that he tells him to take. It is the road less traveled. Now, everyone would go down the other road. It's the easier road. It's the road everybody takes. He said, no, don't take that road. The road you're to take is the road that goes through the desert. It's a deserted road. It is a hard road. And who are you going to meet on that road? They probably hardly very few people. They're probably hoodlums more than likely on that road. 
And that's why probably most people wouldn't take it. But the Lord's ways are not our ways. He said, this is the way you arise and depart and you go down that road. What am I going to do when I get there? You trust me. He acted upon the light God gave him. You know he had questions in his mind. Why, why do I have to take this road? Because God is working on both ends. He has to meet this Ethiopian eunuch who he's going to meet on this road. On purpose. God in his good providence has arranged all this. This didn't just happen. A lot of things have to happen for this man, this preacher of the gospel, to cross the path of this sinner. He's told to do what? Arise. When he says arise, it's time to to go, and he goes. He's a servant. He's a servant. God has arranged all things to save one of his sheep. Isn't that amazing? God said, I've raised, God would raise up a whole nation and put down a whole nation just to save one of his people. How do you think anybody in Ethiopia ever heard anything about God? Well, I know Moses married an Ethiopian, and his sister didn't like it. The woman, the Queen of Sheba, who come to hear and to see the, the wisdom of Solomon, Sheba is from Ethiopia. So God has taken the gospel. You know when that queen of Sheba went back, what she could tell. Moses' wife, what she could tell. They were exposed to the truth. And it's a miracle of grace that they were exposed to the truth. It's not for us to question which way to go. It's only to trust him. And Philip did. Lord, help us to trust him with what we know, what we know. I know I'm supposed to leave Samaria, and he leaves. I know I'm supposed to take that road, so he had to know where the road was at. He told him precisely which road. He doesn't have to decide. He didn't decide the road. God decided the road. But he didn't know what all, why, why I'll take this road. While Philip was on this road, verse 27, and as he arose, and he arose and went. We could spend a long time there, and he arose and he went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem to worship. Here he's going to meet this man. He just happens, just happens while he's on this road, not knowing where he's going to end up, here comes a chariot. Or he may come upon a chariot. And I figure if he's traveling with this man, if he's in authority, he probably has a whole caravan of people with him. I don't think he's traveling alone. This is an important man. God has placed him in that position for a win. He is of Candace, queen of the south, or Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. Now, that word Candace is the same word like you use for Pharaoh. That's not their actual name. That is their office. Candace means whichever the queen was. She was queen of the Ethiopians because she's probably the wife of the king of Ethiopia. Now, I didn't get to research all this, but there there was some reason that they would want the queen to to rule instead of the king, I guess so, to keep the king protected, I guess. That's, That's the only thing I could figure. But I guess that's why it was the queen of Sheba that came. And this man, he's her treasurer. She's in position, and he he comes to Jerusalem. Why did he come? I don't know how far it was, but it had to be some distance between Ethiopia and Jerusalem. And why did he go to Jerusalem? Some believed that he was a proselyte of Judaism. And it was required of proselytes who were Jews or Gentiles 
to come to Jerusalem and worship. And you know there's nothing there. Christ has done satisfied the law, but the people are still going through the motions, and that's what he's doing. He's acting upon what light God's given him. Well, I know I, know I must needs go to Jerusalem because that's what the law commands. But that's what he does. And now he's on his way back home. As empty as he came. If he was looking for truth, he didn't find it in Jerusalem. But Lord sent him there. And he's going back. He's going back. In John 12, 20, and there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. So this is not uncommon. But God singled this man out. Why this man? Why do we have recorded in the word of God, God showing mercy to this man? Because before the world was made, God chose this man, set him apart, and in time he's going to cross his path. This is the time of love. This is the time. And this man, how he got a copy of the book of Isaiah, we don't know, but he did. He may have bought one. I, I don't know, but he, he got a hold of one, and he's reading it. Be like you sitting and you went somewhere and said, I didn't get anything, but I know it's here. I know it's in here. I just don't understand. He may have had questions in Jerusalem and nobody can answer them because they didn't know. You can't explain what you don't know. No man understands. He didn't understand. He had questions, but he's seeking answers. If you seek the Lord with all your heart, you'll find him. If he ever puts it in your heart to seek him, you'll seek him like this man did. But the Lord didn't leave him alone seeking. He sends him a preacher on a backward road, the most unlikeliest place. That's how God saves his people. And not many wise men, not many noble are called, but some are. But he came to Jerusalem for the worship. Verse 28 was returning. Like I said, he's returning as he came. Going back home. That long trip. You imagine how bad he feels. I thought maybe somebody, they, they're talking about a Jesus who died. But they're talking about some of these, these radicals. You know, they, they, they talk about baptism and all that. And I could see him ask some of the Jews, and it's, oh, there's nothing to that. Oh, that Jesus, he was a fake. He was a phone. There's nothing to him. And he has all these thoughts going in his mind. Well, who's telling the truth? Well, I know the truth. Who's telling me the truth? He was returning. He had come empty, and he's going back home empty. But while there, he had received more light. And he acted upon the light the Lord gave him. What did the Lord give him? A copy of the scriptures. A copy of the scriptures that I just read to you a few moments ago. That wonderful chapter. He reads it and doesn't understand who, who it's talking about. That's the thing. It's not a what or when, but a who. Because we find, we're going to find out. He said, who's he talking about? Who's this talking? Is this the prophet talking about himself, about what's going to happen? Or is he talking about someone else? Who can answer that question? Who can explain to me? And there's only one that can. He said, when the Holy Spirit has come, he will guide you into all truth. Because the man's going to say in a little bit, how can I understand it except somebody guide me? Here he is reading aloud, and he was returning and sitting in his chariot 
reading Isaiah the prophet, someone's probably because of who he is was driving the chariot. And he was sitting there, and they said tradition was that people would read out loud. That they would help you to retain this is what they thought. And he's reading out loud. You think about it. He's not the only one reading. He's not the only one hearing. But all those in vicinity of him is hearing too. What's this man reading? And you know how he's reading it? He's reading it in the Greek. Oh, just so happened Philip speaks Greek. Oh, you think about when did Philip learn Greek from the time he was a child? You mean God began to arrange things back then? Well, sure he did. God arranges this man up in Ethiopia. And one day, their paths are going to cross. But this man's reading the scripture, reading. Reading it over and over and over again. I just can't understand. You know why? The natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God. It's foolishness to him. He can't understand it. Like the sign I told you I have, I can't explain it to you, but I can't understand it for you. Only God can enable you to do what? Understand. Not just with your heads, with your heart. How can God save a sinner? How can God, who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean thing? You know what the Queen of Sheba came? You know what she had? Hard questions. How can a man be righteous in God's sight? How can a man be justified with God? Them's good questions. He had questions. Well, as he's reading aloud, somebody else also heard him. Can you imagine Philip? Can you imagine, Carol, what's going through his mind? Why am I here? Why did I just happen to meet this chariot on this road? What are they doing on this road? He hears him read also. Philip understands what he's reading. The man don't understand what he's reading, but Philip understands. Philip is very familiar with this text. They say the, the, the prophecy of Isaiah is probably quoted more in the New Testament than any other prophet. Our Lord spoke from it when he spoke in Luke chapter 4 when he come back to Nazareth. He said, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Philip heard him read. Can he really be reading that? <laughs> It'd be like you sitting somewhere in a waiting room in a hospital or something. And somebody mentions the name Christ or Lord, and he's reading the Bible. Yeah, you imagine how astonished you'd be. And you look at him and say, Sir, that's just kind of odd to hear a man out in public reading. That's kind of like it was with Philip. This man, this prominent man, this man that's over all the treasury, this man. It's a miracle that any man would read. You will never understand till God opens this book for you. How's God going to speak? Now, he spoke by an angel and told Philip to go down. But if God's going to speak to you, he, he, he gave that man the scriptures. Now, he can't understand, but he wants to understand. I believe if God ever brings a person to that place and they're needy and they see they can't understand and cry out to God, God will send them a preacher. Send them a preacher. And then the Spirit of God said to Philip, not in an audible voice, just like he had a thought, go join yourself to that chariot. Now he knows and understands why he's here. <clears throat> and look in verse 30. And Philip ran. He made haste. He arose and he come down to this road. And we don't know how long he's been walking on this road. I think it's a pretty good distance from Samaria down to Gaza. And here, he may have been days on this trip, on this road. And he said, you, there it is. 
I want you to join yourself to that chariot. And he took off running. <laughs> he showed me what to do. And I'm going to do it. He ran. He didn't waste any time. He, he heard this man reading, and he knew what this man was reading. And it just happened. And it happened on purpose that he's reading from Isaiah. And Philip ran thither, verse 30, to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah. And he said, Understandest thou what thou readest? Can you imagine this? If it was some dignitary or somebody, this man, you could tell probably by his dress and probably by the chariot that he's riding in that this is a man of prominence. How would you approach a man like that? How would you start a conversation? Are you having a good day? Why, why are you traveling this road? Those are things we probably would ask to try to start up a conversation, not Philip. He didn't waste any time, and he didn't mince words. He got right to the point, do you understand? Do you understand what you read? He could have said, I heard you read. Now, he knew that he heard him. He said, do you understand? Do you understand what you're reading? Do you, do you have any idea what you're reading? Oh, if you only knew what those scriptures, who they spoke about. Philip knows. And anybody that knows wants other people to know. Before, I want you to see, he was with a whole multitude in Samaria. Now he's with one person. One sinner. God got had got, brought these both together. Understandeth what thou readest. Like I said, he's reading in the Greek, the Greek Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament in Philip's native tongue. He not only heard what he read, he only way he could understand is because he spoke in the same language. Isn't that amazing? The Lord didn't give Philip the ability to speak in tongues. He gave him the ability to speak that language. And it's not only just the Greek language, but he's going to speak in a language that that man can understand. What good is it to speak to a man if he doesn't understand? One Bible said if a man speaks in an unknown tongue and nobody can't hear him, nobody don't understand. Everybody's confused. This man has to hear. And he has to speak from somebody that this man understands what he's talking about. Philip was guided to this place. This man needed a guide, and Philip needed a guide. Philip, the Lord never told him, okay, now I want you to go down to this certain road. And when you get down to that road, you're going to see a man in a chariot who's an Ethiopian eunuch, and I want you to preach the gospel to that man. He didn't give him all that at one time. But this is what he did. And you know what? He trusted him. The Lord just told Abraham, he said, you come out of the Chaldees, and he went out. Not knowing where he was going. You know what? We want all the answers. We want to understand all the details. Understand this much, God's sovereign. Understand this much, God's on the throne. Understand this much, God will save sinners through the preaching of the gospel. That little I understand. And they understood. And he ran thither, and he said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And this man admitted that he didn't know. But he knew this. Here's what he did understand. He said, I can't understand ex or except somebody explain it to me. He did know that much. To a man reaches that, he's going to look everywhere. Now, we can study commentaries and those things are well. We can study from other men and those things are well. But the Holy Spirit must take the things of Christ and reveal them unto you. Our Lord talked about when he was preaching about the, the good ground, seed, the sower casting the seed. He said, when a man understands not, 
Then the enemy comes and takes it away that which he heard. He didn't understand. Men do not understand. When we preach the gospel, it's like we're speaking in a foreign tongue. Like, damn, never, I, you ever heard people say, well, I never heard that before. I have never heard that before. This man's going to hear some things he's never heard before. He heard about religion. He heard about going through the ceremonies. He heard about keeping the Sabbath day. He heard about what to eat and what not to eat. He had heard those things. But what do those things mean? Are they still in existence? Or have they, as some people asserted when they were preaching the gospel, those things are fulfilled. We're not under the law. We're under grace. And he can't understand that. They just can't understand. He's reading. And he said, how can I accept some man guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. Can you imagine how Philip thinks? He said, I can't understand. But you notice, Philip didn't push himself on this man. He said, I can't accept some man guide me. He said, and he desired Philip that he would. He said, would you come up here and sit down with me a minute? Would you sit and explain this to me? And he did. How can I accept some man guide me? I can't understand without someone explaining this to me. Most people just don't want to be honest. They pretend like they understand. <laughs> Genunic desired Philip to come and sit with him. He admits his ignorance. I don't understand. God is someone who leads us, someone who opens to us the meaning of what we read. God uses means. Let me tell you an example. When we went to Mexico... I'm so thankful the Lord allowed me to take that trip. I kept putting it off. I was so afraid, and Frank kept asking me to go with him. And, you know, we went that spring, and then that fall, that's when the Lord took Brother Cody home. But we went out there to see the Mayan ruins. I know some of you probably saw them in magazines or books and probably on TV. And we go out there. And I could have went out there and, oh, this is nice, but what does all this mean? I would like to understand what this means. And we had Cody and Walter, and they were our guides. They said, this is what this means. This is what this means. They would run up all these steps and offer up these human sacrifices. And then they had all these pits. It was all this superstition. But I couldn't have understood if somebody hadn't guided us. And when we went into town, Cody would tell us, this is what you do. And the first thing we got there, he said, don't drink anything with water in it. Don't even, like apple juice or, or a tomato juice or anything in spaghetti, don't do it. Okay. I remember we went downtown, and Meadow is a pretty good-sized city, at least a million people, and we're, we're walking through. Now, this is an open market like you'd see on TV. I mean, this is, this, it's hard to explain, but we're going through there, and the only thing I'm looking for is the back of Cody Groover's head. You know why? Because I don't want to get lost. Because I need, I know he understands. He's proven to me he understands. And I don't want him to get out of sight because he's my guide. He, he's my way out of here. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? How can I understand except some man guide me? And I can understand now because I saw it and I had somebody to explain it to me, what that meant. There was down there, I'll never forget it, down there in Medida. You know, the Mayans, Indians, everybody, you know, criticized. I know they was full of superstition, but God had mercy on them. God said, God sent them a preacher. A preacher. And, you know, them old Aquistadors, them Spaniards, them fighters, they were the one that conquered South America. And they're, and they're standing there with their big old guns and their bayonets and everything. You know what they're standing on? This is a big monument there. They're standing on the heads of the Mayan Indians. Now I understand what that meant. 
if they had conquered America, we would have been under Spaniard rule. And you know what? We'd be just like South America. We'd be in bondage under Catholicism. But we were not. We were conquered by people that speak what? English. Because <laughs> that's why God raised it up. But to see those people. And you know Walter could speak Mayan, which was different than in just regular Spanish. And you could tell when he, when he actually pointed some out, you could, their features were a little different. They were a smaller in structure, but those were the Mayans. And you think about this man goes down there, and he can't speak a word of their language. But eventually he does. It was amazing to watch Cody Groover interpret. What you did, you, spoke, you preached in English, and you'd preach just a, a sentence or two and then give him time to interpret it. Because unless those people hear, they wouldn't understand a thing I said. You know what they needed? They needed a guide. That's how God saves his people. We're all blind as a bat. We need someone to guide us. Remember one of the disciples, he went and told his brother he went and got him. He said, come, we found the Christ. He said, they ain't no good thing come out of Nazareth. And he always said, why don't you just come and see? And he brought him to Jesus. In Jerusalem, he couldn't find the answer to his questions. Because religion can't answer the questions. And he sat down with him in verse 32 and verse 33. And the place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. You imagine this man reading this. And like a lamb done before his shearers, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth? That is Isaiah chapter 53, verses 7 and 8. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. He opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. He, 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 he was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? He was cut off out of the land of the living. And for my people, he was stricken. Who is that he? Who is this man? Oh, you know who he is? He's the son of God. He's the Lord Jesus Christ that came to this world to offer himself as a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. When he was afflicted, he didn't open his mouth. When they reviled him, he reviled not again. Like a sheep before his shears, he just didn't speak. Why? He came to bear the sins of many. This man, he really did that? Yes, he did. He died to save a people. He didn't die by accident. God afflicted him. God laid upon him the iniquity of us all. God really did that? Yeah, God did. Wow. He must be somebody special. Oh, he is. Oh, to understand that. He said in verse 34, and the eunuch answered and said, I pray thee of whom spake the promise, I mean the prophetess of himself or some other man. And Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture. And preached unto him Jesus. What did his message conceived, conceived of? One word, Jesus. He took from that very scripture that man was reading. And he explained to that man Jesus Christ. He preached Christ, Jesus. That scripture is familiar in his mind. And he went right where he was reading. He said, let me, let me explain that to you. 
he died. Well, why did he die? He died on purpose. Why did he die? Because someone has to die in somebody's place. I read something today. I hope this doesn't come across wrong. They said there's this colored man. He was converted, and he put it this way. Christ die, me not die. <laughs> I thought that was pretty simple. Christ die, me not die. You knew who the Ethiopian is? Well, everyone I've ever seen had dark skin. God chose the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. There's neither white nor black. There's neither rich nor poor. There's neither male nor female. Why was it Moses' sister didn't like Moses married a woman like that? Why? What about the Queen of Sheba? And he preached to him. He opened his mouth and began the same scriptures and preached unto him Jesus. Christ died so that others may live. That's the gospel. He died on purpose. He died for a reason. He died for somebody. And he died so that they may live. That's the gospel. It's not you trusting in your works. And until you understand this, you cannot believe. You just can't. He must explain. He must give you understanding. You can try all you want. And until he gives you an understanding, and when he does, you go, boy, it's like my oldest granddaughter. Sandy used to explain things to her, and hear what she'd say. I got it. And when she said, I got it, she had it. I remember one day, by God's grace, as he was teaching me the gospel, it's like I said in my soul, I got it. I understand who I am. I'm nothing. And he is everything. And he explains that to you. They shall be all taught of God. He opened his mouth. And began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. <clears throat> you notice it said he opened his mouth and began at that same scripture. Now that, that doesn't mean he just stayed there. Remember on the road to Emmaus? Our Lord, those men didn't, they didn't understand either. They didn't understand this one that was walking with them. Till he opened up the scripture and they understood who he was. He showed them from the scriptures, from Moses to Genesis to Leviticus and all through the Psalms, the scriptures that spoke of him. It doesn't say, we don't know what all Philip said, but I can see the Ethiopian says, well, I seen when I was up at Jerusalem, I seen people being, they would take them and dumping them under the water. What's all about that? We didn't do that under Judaism. We didn't do it under the law. Why are they doing that? So he explains it to them. Our Lord told us to go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, and he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Baptize him in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The baptism sets forth his death. Really, that's what that means, yeah. It showed he died. Then it showed that he was buried under the water. But he didn't stay under the water. Three days later, he come out of the water. Oh, really? Yeah, and it shows us when he died, we died. When he was buried, we were buried. And when he arose, we arose. And now we trust in his death and we walk in newness of life. Oh, that's, man, ain't that something? Most people have never had that explained to them. What they understand about baptism is they think that it's something to wash away their sins. But you know better. You know better. What it's, what it's saying is I am trusting the one who died. I am trusting him to put away my sin. And I trust him every day. And I'm not ashamed of him. I'm not ashamed to look to him as my Lord. And my master it said as they went on their way, we don't know how long they've been together. They came unto a certain water. 
And the eunuch said, Here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Remember, they're in the desert. In the desert, it's not a question where to find enough water to baptize somebody, but where to find water at all. I could see it going through his mind, and he's trying to, well, how can I be baptized? There ain't no water around here. He, didn't, he wasn't sprinkled either. And they went on their way, and he said, "What? here's water. What does hinder me to be baptized? Nobody twisted his arm. He wants to be baptized. That's why I never pressure anyone. I've seen too many of you come up to me, never mention it, and you say, you know, I believe the Lord's done something for me. And I want to confess my Lord in believer's baptism. You know what? They understand. God has explained it to them, and they don't have to be forced to do it. And here's this man. Philip, here's some water. What does hinder me to be baptized? And he said, if you believe with all your heart. If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. You know it had to enter through his mind? Well, I remember baptizing Simon, Simon Magus, who proves he was not a believer. It's not for him to question. He can't see in a man's heart. That man says, I want to be baptized. Well, we're going to be baptized. They said, I can't remember exactly what they were called, but they were big old holes in the earth in our Mexico. And it may be real deep before you ever got to the water. And this is where they're going to baptize these people that have been converted under the preaching of the gospel. They said they went down there and they just cut a few limbs just... Just so Walter and those people can stand on. And most of these people that are being baptized cannot swim. But Walter can. And these people, you imagine, go down through there. And they're baptized. And they won't identify with Christ. And that, that, that Ethiopian eunuch said, hold it, stop the chariot right there. He gets out and walks down with Philip. And it said they come up out of the water. He never sprinkled his head because sprinkling does not set forth the death of Christ. All this is a picture of Christ. And he went down and he baptized him <laughs> and brought him up. And Philip's gone. He left him. The Lord took him out of the way. And it said when they were come up out of the water, verse 39, the Spirit of the Lord called away Philip that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. I think it was Matthew Henry or someone said, Philip, give this man the key to unlock this book. It's to look for Christ. If you don't see him there, keep looking. It may be somewhere down the road. It may be years down the road, but eventually he'll open it up. You, un you act on what you understand. And you imagine this Ethiopian eunuch. He's different. He's converted. He knew he's going on his way. You know where he's going to go? To Ethiopia. Has he got anything to tell somebody? Oh, my goodness. You're not going to believe what I just heard. Let me just tell you. Oh, we, we heard rumors of that years ago from the Queen of Sheba. We, we heard there was rumors about this, about one that was to come. Well, he's come. He's alive. He rules and he reigns and he shows mercy to whom he will show mercy. He elected me and chose me and ordained me and gave me life. He crossed my path. He did, not just a man. He did. Christ did. That makes it personal, doesn't it? He crossed his path. We read this and we make reference to it so many times. We talk about the Ethiopian eunuch. Now he understands. He understands. He went on his way rejoicing. But what happened to Philip? 
Where did he go? His work was done in Samaria. His work was done on the road to Gaza. But Philip was found at Estrus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. And one thing you can say about Philip, he was a preacher. Everywhere he went, what was his role? What did God call him to do? He called him to preach. And everywhere he went, he couldn't help but preach. Let, everywhere God opened the door, he preached. Notice it says, he went down to, it's spelled A-S-O-T-U-S. It's actually pronounced in the Old Testament as Ashtod. Where did we hear that before? Well, in 1 Samuel chapter 5, verse 1, and the Philistines took the ark, those wicked, vile people, took the ark of God. Well, what did they do with the ark of God? They took it and put it in the house with Dagon. But you imagine having the ark and not understanding what it meant. And they brought it from Ebenezer, where they took it, unto Ashdod. Isn't that amazing? Oh, yeah, the Ark of the Covenant came. They, they brought it here. But years later, God's going to send a preacher to these very same people. These, these descendants of the Philistines, these descendants of the giants, these descendants of Goliath, oh, yeah. You know what we see here? He shows mercy. Someone said Ashtos is about 18 to 20 miles from Gaza. And he takes the gospel to this town, including Joppa, which we'll see read later. These were coastal cities and to other, people, other places. And we see here that in, that in chapter, just over in the next chapter, chapter 9, there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation was called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deed, which she did. How did this woman that was a believer, how did she ever hear the gospel? It could have been through Philip. I'm here to tell you, we need to remember that God saves sinners and God hems people up and he's when did he just go to these cities and you think just to make it personal why why Cottageville why Crow why Fairmont why Ashland why Lexington why why those places I tell you why I can explain it to you because God has a people. Paul went to Carth. He said, Paul, don't you be afraid. I've got much people in this place. And he stayed there 18 months. Oh, that's how the church at Carth got started. That's exactly right. But eventually it says, and he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. He didn't stop till he reached there. And this is what they where they say he probably lived. How do we know that? Well, we understand that from the scriptures. If you'll turn over to Acts chapter 21, verse 8, this is many years later. And the next day, we that were of Paul's company departed and came into Caesarea. Well, where are we going to stay at Caesarea? And we entered into the house of Philip the evangelist. And Sandy was talking about this. And I don't think she mind me saying. She said, well, I didn't know there was another Philip. There was a Philip that was an apostle. This, this is distinguishing him as Philip the evangelist. And they came to Philip the evangelist's house, which was one of the seven, and they abode with him. They stayed in his house. Isn't that amazing how God raised up this man? And he even used him many days later to serve tables. 
We don't know how many was in Paul's company. He said, well, y'all just, we, we know we can, we can stay down there at Philip's house. You know, I just remembered Philip's got a place down there. Jeff's got a place down there in Charleston. If we didn't get a place to stay, I know we could go stay at Jeff's. There's one house out there at Gay. I know where Danny and Kathy live. If I, I need a place to stay, they'd put us up. That's what this is saying. Isn't it amazing? Even the details. He didn't just, our Lord didn't just put these things in here just to take up space. And now when we see these things, when we read about Joppa and Paul coming to these places, we go, oh my goodness. He's recording what God did in the early church to save his people. And what he did then, he's still doing it the same way. He's not changed. He's saving men through the preaching of the gospel, not through gimmicks. And it may be one person at a time. Philip may have never seen that Ethiopian eunuch again. He saw him in glory. But you know that believer, he can't keep quiet. Can I explain something to you? Can you not see him? I could see the first person that he would talk to. The queen. Could I tell you something? You know, we heard one time about a woman named Queen of Sheba. Queen, I want to, t- you know, there was a, you, he heard, she went and heard a man named Solomon. I can tell you about one greater than Solomon. <laughs> what a Lord. What a gospel. And I'm glad when he reveals it and he explains it to us. He explains it like he explains it to a little child. And you understand. Ain't you glad he has patience with you? Because we're little children. We just, we forget. But he'll teach you the lesson. And God help us to understand.